Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the Deeper Daily Podcast. It's January the 10th. Today, we're in Mark chapter 1, verse 9. I want to cover 9, 10, and 11 today. This is the baptism of Jesus at the hand of John the Baptist, and it reads like this. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. That's the Jordan River. And immediately, coming up from the water, or coming out of the water, the early Greek translation says, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. There's an indication here in the Greek as well of not just parting, but being torn apart. He saw the heavens being torn open is another way of saying it in, in uh, as it as it appears to us in a Greek text. Then verse 11, Then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is one of those um, famous passages in the text that get repeated in multiple Gospels. And in the Matthew version of the story, Jesus even claims, says to John that this must happen to fulfill all righteousness. So there's a lot going on here. But we're studying Mark, and we're not just cross-examining Gospels. I do like to do that. In fact, one of my favorite moments of cross-examination of the Gospels is right here, where in Mark 1.11, it says, You are my beloved Son. But in Matthew's version, Matthew 3.17, it says, This is my beloved Son. And I don't think that that means God said it twice. I think it means that the, the pronouns or the personalization was for Jesus and then also for the crowd. So what the crowd hears is, this is my beloved son. But what Jesus hears is, you are my beloved son, because there's a generality to identity. We are the children of God. That's corporate. But then there's a personalization to identity. I am one of the sons of God. I am his child. Not only are you his child, I am his child. And that second one, the I am his child, comes as a result of our faith. John would say, as many as believe in his name, he hath given them the authority to call themselves the sons of God. Well, God calls us his children, whether we call ourselves sons or not. So in In some ways, these are my beloved sons. But in a personal way, when I believe on Christ, I start to take possession of my identity. I am a beloved son. So Jesus hears it as, you are my beloved son, because from here we go into the wilderness, even though Mark's version of the wilderness story isn't nearly as fleshed out as Matthew's version, Mark doesn't skip it. But the identity to go into the wilderness is you are beloved. And and the reason for that, I think, is because if you're going to go face whatever it is the world throws at you and the world will throw a lot at you, it's best to do it by knowing who you are. The more you know who you are, the better equipped you are to go face off with whatever it is that comes against you. And in in that face-off, you then hold the, the, the power of identity as the greatest possible thing that you have. Now, 
enough sort of cross-examination. Let's take Mark at his word. Mark, this is where we start the immediacy of Mark. When we were in our introduction last week, I talked about the fact that Mark is full of euthios, that Greek word that means straightway or immediately. And I told you it's used, it's translated as straightway or immediately about 40 times in Mark, but it's actually used in its derivatives, its Greek derivatives, over a hundred times in 16 chapters. Do we hear about this speediness? And so Mark is up and running here. It happens verse 10 immediately, verse 12 immediately, verse 18, verse 21, uh, verse 28, verse 31, verse 42. And that's just glancing down through the chapter. There, and it, it doesn't stop there. It keeps going into chapter 2. You, keep, you get this immediacy over and over again. And so the Jesus of Mark, now that he's on the scene, he never really slows down. He goes out of the wall. It's, it, even the way Mark tells the stories are quick. Especially if you like lay this out next to Matthew 3. It has a much more slower-paced, detailed telling of the Jordan River baptism. And then a blow-by-blow account of the wilderness journey. He goes into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He goes up onto the high pinnacle. He, you know, throw yourself off the cliff. All those things, all that verbal encounter, that sparring between Jesus and the devil, it's just brushed over when you, when you go through the Mark version of it. And that immediacy sort of rubs off on you as a reader. You, you run with Jesus in this book. Uh, you, you, you move hurriedly. Let's, one more thing, because we're, we're, I don't want to fall into Mark's immediate trap because I don't want to go as fast as Mark wants us to go. Sometimes we will, almost because of the way the narration flows so quickly. But I do like to slow down and hit the, the finer points. The heavens parting or being torn open and the spirit descending upon him like a dove was a, a literary device that reaches all the way back to Noah's Ark. Noah is testing the waters to see if they've abated from off the earth to see if the waters have purified in the way that they needed to. And the dove leaves the ark but comes back because it has nowhere to set its foot. He then sends out a raven which doesn't come back because a raven is a carry-on bird. It will eat the dead, and that's exactly what it does. When the, the dove comes back again with an olive branch in its feet, a sign of peace that sort of floats through the biblical narrative. And finally, the dove doesn't come back at all because it's found a place to rest. And so we've preached, uh, every preacher's preached this, that the dove leaves the ark, flows through the Old Testament stories, and then lands on Jesus. But there's a much deeper thing happening there. The waters of the, of the Noah's ark story are meant to purify the earth of what's wrong. It's a type of righteousness. Jesus dips down into the river and says he's doing it to fulfill all righteousness so that as he arises, what we are seeing is the fullness of righteousness in a man. And where does the dove land in the Noah story, but on a righteous purged earth? Where does the dove land in the Jesus baptismal story on the embodiment of the personification of righteousness sets like a dove? So Mark is presenting to us 
the dove of Noah finally resting upon a new earth. That's, that's great information to have as you head into the wilderness. We'll do that tomorrow. God bless.